The movie, directed by Mark Forster, merely checks off a list of heartwarming virtues while turning its characters into ciphers. That's Richard Brody of New York are talking about our new feature review this week. It's A Man Called Otto, Mark Forster directed movie, and it's starring Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks, very busy Is he back? guy. Elvis last Is he year. back? Pinocchio last year. Is he back? That question will be answered today here on Cinephile. Also, a couple of foreign films. Bardo, False Chronicle of a Handful of Truths, a new film from Alejandro González Iñárritu. Talk about an Oscar darling. Guy's got five Oscars when you look at what he's done with Birdman and The Revenant and Decision to Leave, which I had last week as one of my top ten films of the year. I'll talk further about that movie. Two weeks from now, we're going to do Oscar nominations. That'll be a podcast coming your way in a couple of weeks. So that's going to be January 24th. Look forward to that. And next week, four Foreign films. I'll be breaking down, okay? Four foreign films. And maybe a little bit of Scott Regalski. Might get a little rags to him in there. He's got some stuff going on with his store. They've got some movie merchandise. He's like, hey, maybe I can come on. Do a little pop for the store. I'm like, hey, whatever I can do to help my guy's business, I'm happy to do that. So that'll be coming up next week. Those foreign films, by the way, should be in the mix, I believe, for Best International Feature Film, which is, of course, the Oscars coming up the week after that. But... Uh, before we look forward and look to the present, I want to thank everybody who listened last week. Very popular episode, top 10 of the year. And thanks to my buddy, Chris Cody. I texted you. I said, can we get it in the main feed? No problem, right? Numbers must have oh, jumped. That's good news. Skyrocket. Skyrocketed. And our man, Angel, does a phenomenal job with the artwork. The guy's fantastic. And Juju, of course, God, he does an awesome job with social media. So got a little stuff made up here, put it on my social media as far as our top 10 films of the year. So I did want to shout out Angel and Juju and, of course, Chris for facilitating and getting that stuff done for us. We begin, though, with the Golden Globes. By the way, maybe I should give my top 10 again. No, I don't think anybody cares. If you want to look at my top yeah. 10, you can look it up again. I'll reference it throughout this episode. But go back and listen. It was a good episode. There you go. Go back. I like that. Um, I was working NHL Network last night, so I DVR the Golden Globes. I watched it this morning, recording this on a Wednesday. Watched it in two hours, which was a very economical, efficient way to watch it. My guy, Cody, though, was watching the red carpet. So before we go into the Globes, tell me about the red carpet and your initial observations. I, I think I may have said this before on the podcast. I am a sucker for red carpets of award shows, more so than even the award shows most of the time. It's just a, and this was a Monday night or, you know, a Tuesday night. But generally, it's a Sunday night. It's a nice, relaxing thing to have on in the evening. What are you wearing? What's going on this year? No, it's always who are you wearing, which is such an odd thing to say. See, that's what it's always been this year. It's a new thing. It's what's the story you're telling? I was I heard I heard uh, the lady doing the interviews ask one person it. And I was like, this is a clever way to ask this question. And then when I realized it was the only move that she had and she asked it to like seven straight people, not as cute when you're asking it to everybody. But I just like that variation of it, of what's the story you're telling with this outfit? Yeah, it's definitely more pompous, more pretentious. But if you like your award shows, that's what we're looking for. And you're right. It's definitely more inclusive. Rather than who are you wearing, you know, Estee Lauder. What is the story you're saying? Well, it's about modern man. It's about ancient civilization. It's about my own freedom and my own liberation from self. Okay, great. Congratulations. One of my favorite things on the red carpet is the spouses and just the awkwardness of them standing there, them getting maybe one question and fumbling their words because they're nervous. It's just, I like the little things like that. Well, I always love the the spouse who is also in the profession, yet not as famous as the other, particularly when the woman is more famous than the man. So Angela yeah. Bassett won a Golden Globe last night for Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Her husband's Courtney B. Vance, who's a decent actor. Guy was tremendous as Johnny Cochran, if you saw the OJ miniseries. But my wife said to me, because that's her husband? I'm like, yeah, he's an actor, but he's no Angela Bassett. I mean, that's her second Golden Globe. She won previously for What's Love Got to Do With It. So I always love when you go, hey, that guy's a good actor. I'm like, yeah, 
But you know, Angela Bassett. So that whole time on the red carpet, it's like, hey, Courtney, what's up? Hey, Angela, oh my God, you're, you're in Black Panther. So I, I'm with you. The spouse, it's a the, tough spot, especially when you have the same gig. That happened last night with James Cameron with his wife, who she's an actress. I, I don't know much she's been in, but I do recognize her. Her name's Susie Amos Cameron. Oh, yeah, yeah, Susie Amos, yeah. So it was one of those things where like they were just giving all the attention to James. And even at one point, he like was like, my wife too, very talented career. Yeah. And it was just kind of awkward of like then the, the interviewer felt the pressure to like talk to her. And it was just like this weird dynamic. Oh, yeah. N- not that I had my pick of the litter, but I always I did never wanted to marry a woman in broadcasting. I don't care. <laughs> producer, director, uh, host, whatever. I'm like, no, I don't want it because this is my thing. I don't want your thing to be better than my thing because I'm too insecure. And it's going to be a problem. Like if you're more successful than me, we're going to have a bad marriage. If I'm more successful than you, I think we're going to be OK. But Wait, you mean just, in, it, just in your field, you, you'd be fine with your wife being more successful than you in another field. Mm. Just answer. Can you just answer yes to this question? And then please. So, thank she, you. so she was like a high powered criminal defense attorney. So like, I'm, I'm still me. Like I'm a broadcast pretty good. I'm like, no, my wife's like, I, nah, I think I'm okay with it. As long as she's not like more famous than me. If she's richer than I am, then I'm really great with that. Cause I've been carrying the mail here for 15 years. Let's be honest. She's a stay at home mom with four kids. I would, I would love that. But I think if, yeah, if it's like, as long as she's not more famous than me, if it was like, she was like a great actress, that'd be a problem. If she's like a famous Broadway <laughs> actress and I'm me, I'm like, hmm. What's your husband do? He's on MLB Network. I'm like, really? Like, yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah. Put it on the scroll. Adnan doesn't want his wife to be more successful than him. <laughs> yeah, Gary, we'll put it on the poll. Um, so red carpet, you definitely enjoy. Let's get to the awards themselves. Um, odd spot for Gerard Carmichael, who is the comedian. I haven't, I haven't seen his work, but I'm aware of the fact he did a stand-up special, which was quite well-received, in which he announced he, you know, he came out, and he's obviously very funny and different. And, and I like the fact he basically addressed the fact, why am I here? Oh, because I'm black. And later started making jokes for the fact that he's gay, and he's here because they're looking for more inclusivity and diversity. But it was an odd monologue. It, it wasn't particularly funny, and I, I know that's what he was going for. He's trying to be serious. And hey, the Globes never hired a black person in their, in their membership until George Floyd died. And then he kind of Worked in a couple singers, but I, I didn't think it was a particularly funny monologue or an engaging monologue. And the first five minutes, kind of an odd way to start the show. Just kind of felt, and you could see the crowd kind of like cringing, like, yeah, I'm not sure someone's supposed to laugh. Like, this is just weird. It was kind of an odd tone. We get to the actual awards themselves. And I got to tell you, this had to be a racist person's worst nightmare. Like, you were just starting to see black people winning, Asian people winning, Latina people winning. I'm like, oh my God, this is just, I mean, they, the Globes, they got the message. Like, hey, we were off the air last year because of a lack of diversity and inclusivity. We are going to take care of that, okay? No problem. First winner, <laughs> Ki Huey Kwan, who is tremendous in everything, everywhere, all at once, which was my number four film of last year. He wins for Best Supporting Actor, and he gives the best speech of the night. First winner, best speech of the night. I believe he's the first Vietnamese actor ever to win a Golden Globe. And he was amazing. He, he thanks Spielberg. He goes, you know, I was a child actor. And it's all because of this man, Steven Spielberg. He goes, I was in Indiana Jones and I think the Temple of Doom. And he goes, you know, my whole life I was worried, have I peaked? Like, as, as, as my career as an actor going to be the best I ever was as a kid in a Steven Spielberg film? But thank you to the Daniels. Of course, those are the directors of the film who cast me in this movie. Changed my life. I mean, he gives a great loving speech to his wife, to the cast. But this guy's incredible. Very emotional. Great speech out of the gates. I'm like, all right, Keith, what about my there. speech? What about we're, my speech? We're going to get to Jennifer Coolidge. So then supporting actress is the aforementioned Angela Bassett. By the way, it looks phenomenal. Black don't crack. I mean, I think she's like 60. It looks like she's 40. She's unbelievable. You see Courtney Vance always has a great hat on, love a good fedora. He's sitting there recording his wife as she's up there giving her speech, which she is reading off of her phone. So again, we see technology in the past. Always have a, a script, right? You crumple up your envelope. Now, like, no, I got to read it off my phone. I'm like, yeah, there we go. Uh, so obviously very well-deserved winner there. She's been a great actress. What's Love Got to Do With It? Awesome film from the 1990s. Her and Lawrence Fishburne, so good in that Tina Turner biopic. 
And then away we go. And I had predicted a lot of these awards. You know, I was, as I said, I was working, but I posted on Twitter. I said, okay, here's my picks for the night. And most of them did indeed come to fruition. I'll skip some of the TV stuff except to say Abbott Elementary did well, which I had predicted before. I was disappointed. Actor in a television series, musical or comedy. I'm like, it's got to be Martin Short or Steve Martin. Instead, neither. Jeremy Allen White for The Bear. I, I know people like the show, but I was like, I was pissed. I was like, boo. Have you a, seen the show? Because I've no, heard I, that it's great. I watched 10 minutes and I wasn't crazy, but I, I know it's about <laughs> foods and restaurants. Stan's a girl loves it. I'm like, no, I don't. I'm, I'm out of this show. How the hell is Martin Short not winning? Like, this is garbage. Um, Tyler Jess, James Williams wins Abbott Elementary. I mentioned that. Obviously, very uh, popular show right now. Which I do not know anything about. Justin Hurwitz, love that he won for Babylon. I think he's had like four Golden Globe nominations and he's won four times. Amazing composer, love the score to Babylon, so that's a win for them. Original song, not two, not two. I mean, this is massive. As my wife said to me, don't get it confused. Don't call it a Bollywood song. There's a difference between Bollywood and South Indian. This is a South Indian film. There's a real kind of disconnect with those two. And this, from the movie Triple R, which may get nominated for Best International Feature Film. Clever song, catchy song, pretty big upset. That beat Lady Gaga for Top Gun Maverick, which I was thrilled about, and also beat Rihanna, who did a song for Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. So shout out to Natu Natu from Triple R. Great song there sung in Hindi. Uh, Best Actress, Musical or Comedy, Abbott Elementary, again. Then we get to the stuff that I predicted and I was pretty confident about. Actor in a motion picture, musical or comedy, Colin Farrell. Banshees of Initiation, yes. Big, decisive win. Great speech. He's got the two earrings. Good hair. Says to Brendan Gleeson, I love you. Very charming Irish brogue. Loves Martin McDonough. I'm like, let's go, Colin Farrell. Actress, as predicted, in a musical or comedy. Locke. Michelle Yeoh, everything, everywhere, all at once. But this party did not like Cody. I was thrilled that she won. She's awesome. By the way, she said she's turning 60, so she looks incredible as well. I don't know what these people are doing. Well, I don't Botox. I don't think she is, actually. I think she actually looks great. Anyways, <laughs> the, the piano starts to play. Now, Colin Farrell handled it well. It was a guy easy with that piano. Yeah, I still got more stuff to say. And there's a way you can do it to be disarming. Austin Butler was great. They started to play the piano. We'll get to him in a second. And he goes, hey, you can at least play Suspicious Minds. Like, make a joke. Michelle Yeoh goes, shut up over there. I'm like, that, like, rude. I did not. She goes, shut up over there. I can beat you up. And like, I retweeted it. People are like, oh, you retweeting because you liked it? I'm like, no, actually, I didn't like it. I thought it was a, it was a classless gesture. You know, the person playing the piano, they're just doing their job, Cody. The job is to let them go 30 seconds and then to play the piano, okay? I, I didn't come up with the rules here. I'm just doing my job. So if you have an issue, you can yell at the producer afterwards. You can blame the Hollywood Foreign Press, who, by the way, just gave you an award. If you want to yeah. yell at them about their award presentation, fine. You're getting an award from them. These are the rules. You can, as I said, with Colin Farrell or with Austin Miller or others, make a joke, make a comment. Like Spielberg made a joke about, hey, I don't want this to go into the late nightly news because we're owned by Universal. I'll make this quick. Like, don't say shut up. I can beat you up. I'm like, classless gesture from a great actress who deservedly won for a great movie. I can beat you up. It's just an odd thing. Yeah, very very odd. Uh, Best motion picture animated, Guillermo del Toro's Pionchio. I mean, I wasn't crazy about it, but my guy is such a lovable guy. I just want to give him a giant hug. Like, just a teddy bear of a man, Guillermo del Toro. Um, He wins for Pinocchio, although I thought that um, Turning Red, I thought should have won for that. Actor in a motion picture. This was a big one. I tweeted out. I said, Austin Butler's going to win. A couple people said to me, no, Brendan Fraser thought he's the favorite. I said, no chance. He said the former president of Golden Globes, Hollywood Foreign Press, had like abused him, like touched him inappropriately. That's why he wasn't going to the ceremony. Do you really think the guy who's openly saying, oh, I'll never support the Golden Globes, even though I'm the guy who made George of the Jungle, this is my one chance to win an Oscar. I've been on every other talk show, aside from Cinefile, we tried for him, and I'm not going to go to the Golden Globes to support them. You think they're going to give that guy an award? I'm like, of course not. They're going to give it to Austin Butler. Flashy, young, charming, talented, 
the way, sensational performance in a film that I had as the number five film of the year in Elvis. I'm like, bro, they love their splashy musicals, Baz Luhrmann film, Austin Butler wins. By the way, great speech. As he's going up, he kind of like hugs it out with Tarantino and Brad Pitt. I'm like, oh, I don't even know them. But I'm like, of course he doesn't. He, he's acting how you and I would. Like, if we're at the awards, I'm like, oh, my God. It's Tom Hanks. I'm like, hey, Tom Hanks, what's up? Like, and then in the speech, <laughs> like, hey, Quentin Tarantino. Like, bro, when I was 12, I, I wrote up Pulp Fiction. Brad Pitt, I love you. You're one of my favorite actors. And then, boom, thanks for everybody he needs to thank. I want to see clips of that dude talking, like, three years ago because I yes. feel like he's just kind of morphed kind of into Elvis. Nailed it. And that's the reason my wife said because he sounds like Elvis. I'm like, yeah, I don't, I, I never actually heard his actual accent. I, I'm pretty sure he doesn't have an accent, but he's definitely talking like, all right, thank you, thank you very much. <laughs> he's like, thank you, I'll yeah. thank you. Love that he mentioned Elvis as well at the end of his speech. Best actress television series drama, Zendaya, Euphoria, I don't watch it. I know it's about teenage women having sex, doing a lot of drugs. Congratulations. Supporting actress television series. Again, I, uh, I've talked to him before. I'm not crazy about Ozark. I knew she'd win Julia Garner, third nomination, first Golden Globe. Best actress motion picture drama, as I'd expected. And by the way, I used to love when Colin Coward would do this on his radio show. On Mondays, especially during NFL season, he would do where Colin was right, where Colin was wrong. Always thought it was a great segment. So where Adnan was right, well, I can tell you all the time, where Adnan was wrong, clearly when it comes to tar, which I believe I gave two Maple Leafs on this podcast, every person who I respect who knows anything about movies tells me I am dead wrong. This is easily one of the top 10 films of the year, and this is the big one. My hero, Martin Scorsese, came out an article two days ago, and he publicly praised Tar. He said to Todd Field, the director, he goes, you single-handedly give me faith in cinema. That's the best film I've seen this year. Kate Blanchett, who, by the way, should be noted, bias alert. Scorsese did work with her on The Aviator. He helped win her an Oscar for playing Catherine Hepburn. But I've clearly got to watch Tar again, because everyone tells me I missed the boat on this, so I'll watch it again. Kate Blanchett, by the way, wins the Academy Award. Motion picture, non-English language. We've reviewed it. Argentina, 1985. Yep. I've like, got to be honest. I really thought All Quiet in the Western Front would win. I'm thinking this is just riding the wave of the World Cup. They're like, you know what? They won a World Cup. Congrats, Argentina. We're giving it to Argentina. Done. Good. It's a year of Argentina. Keep the good vibes going into 2023. Love the fact Ricardo Doreen went up there. Again, I've said before, The Secret of the Rise, one of my favorite movies. He is the star of Argentina 1985, along with that film, which won the international feature film back in 2009. Love the fact he went up there. And he said, I'm going to speak in Spanish, if that's okay. Of course. Dude, it's a Hollywood Foreign Press. Speak in Spanish. Do whatever you want. Screenplay motion picture, as expected. Martin McDonough, my number one film of the year. The Banshees of Inner Sharon. I can't say he doesn't win an Academy Award. He was great. And then we get to some of the stuff, and of course, Cody's Coolidge impression. Supporting actor, TV limited series, Paul Walter Hauser. I'm like, yes, Blackbird wins. Uh, I just want to thank you guys for being here. I played a serial killer, and I just, I, I don't even know what to do with them kids. Like, I, I raped a bunch of kids and stuff. Great speech. Love Paul Walter Hauser. He's starting to get fired up because he mentions Taron Edgerton and he goes, Ray freaking Leota. Yeah, Ray freaking, get up. Get up, everybody. Ray, you can't ask for a standing ovation for a dead guy. Get up. Ray freaking Leota. I want to thank everyone. Yeah, let's go. Paul Walter Hauser. And then we got to Best Actress Limited Series, Amanda Seyfried, the dropout. They mispronounced her name. The other one I want to throw at you is this. What about the drama around Dahmer? Because it wins for Best Actor Limited Series or Motion Picture, Dahmer, uh, Evan Peters. But a lot of people are angry about this because they think they're exploiting the serial killers, particularly the victims that come out saying they hate this project. Your thoughts? It's compelling TV. Like, you can make that argument for so much television and art, right? Like, all these movies are recreations of horrible things, right? Like, yeah. you know, The Departed, the, you know what I mean? Like, like, there's a lot of films and shows out there that are about Real. I, obviously, it sucks to if you're, you know, if you lived that and having to see it. But yeah. 
it, it's kind of hard to, to get rid of all that stuff. Yeah, I guess the argument would be that stuff is fiction, right? The department. This is an actual real life crime. Yeah, but that, that was real. Glorified. Wasn't what there's a real gangster in Boston. I forget his oh, no, name. Right, yeah, like, Frank Costello. Yeah, yeah, based on true. Yeah. Yeah, no, I got you. Anyways, his speech was great, by the way. Probably 30 seconds. And he even addressed the controversy in his speech. He was like, I mean, it might have been 20 seconds, actually. For a night of some very long speeches, Evan Peters, I think, knew he was going to win because he went up there ready to go. He thanked Netflix. He thanked his director, co-stars. And then he even kind of addressed it by saying, you know, I know for all those that you watch, I really appreciate it. I know it was a tough watch. I know it's a painful subject, but I think it's an important one. Thank you. I appreciate you. Boom. So I'm like, that guy knows how to give a speech. I mean, Congrats is it important? That, that's debatable. I don't know yeah. if it's important. Yeah, sure. It's important. <laughs> You're glorifying a serial killer. Like, all right, it's, it's entertainment. <laughs> I mean, it's important. Interesting. One of the but. funnier lines of the night, Regina Hall, in giving Best Actor in a Television Series Drama to Kevin Costner for Yellowstone, says, and could not stifle her laughter. She goes, he's not here right now. He's... Uh, He's in Santa Barbara. He's he, he has to shelter in place. And she starts laughing. She goes, I know, who has to shelter in place in Santa Barbara? But, but she goes, no, seriously, they've, they've had like storms and there's a lot of rain right now. <laughs> and then she laughed again. She goes, I, I, will, I will accept this as bad while he's hopefully okay living in Santa Barbara. <laughs> All kidding aside, I hope, every, I hope he is okay. But Kevin Costner was not actually there. <laughs> it's hilarious. Yeah. TV series, musical comedy, again, not surprising, Abbott Elementary. TV series, drama, I don't watch it. I know, House of the Dragon, congratulations. Uh, and then we're going to get... To the big one here for Chris Cody. Supporting actress, television limited series motion picture, Jennifer Coolidge for the I did most. it. I won. Go me. <laughs> her, her. Uh, by the way, as a presenter, atrocious. One of the worst speeches tonight. Went up there for like two minutes. Like, this is awful. Like, who the hell likes Jennifer Coolidge? Horrible. Except in speech, fantastic. Funny, charming, self-deprecating. Thanks, Ryan Murphy. Thanks, White Lotus. Mentioned Sicily. Like, real dichotomy of horrible as a presenter. Like, God, just this self-indulgent, rambling, not funny at all. As a winner, though, awesome. And the crowd she loves made her. The, like, she made the creator of White Lotus cry, right? Yeah, or the Mike writer, White whatever just that. starts crying. Like, oh, my God. Well, later he said he was just drunk. He goes, honestly, he goes, there's no food. We got here, like, there's no food. So I'm just, I'm really drunk right now. So he may have just been a little bit emotional, in fairness. But yeah, they and they, they love milking that moment. Like, you start to see him crying. And it's like, you know, maybe a medium shot. They cut to her speech. You cut back to him, extreme close-up. Like, they're right on his tear. Like, you don't need to, like, I, I got it. We don't, we, don't, we don't accentuate the fact he's crying. I can tell that he's teary-eyed. But Mike White was emotional. White Lotus unsurprisingly wins for Best TV Limited Series. And let me get to the big ones, as I had predicted. Actually, no, I was wrong on this one. Best motion picture, musical, or comedy. I said everything, everywhere, all at once. But to my pleasant surprise, it was my number one film of the year. The Banshees of Inner Sharon wins Best Picture. And then Best Motion Picture Drama, as expected, The Fablemans, and as expected, Best Director, Steven Spielberg. One of the better moments of the night, actually, when Spielberg won. As always, so classy, so gracious. 20th nomination, third victory. I'll look it up. I believe Meryl Streep. In terms of the Academy Awards, not the Golden Globes, I believe she has 21 nominations and three Academy Awards. So when you're talking three wins, 20 nominations, that is rarefied air, no matter what the category is, whatever the award is. Not a great win so, percentage, but, you know, whatever. That, that is true. Yeah, doing the playoffs. But, <laughs> but congrats to Spielberg as he wins. Uh, no big surprise there. Big news, as you've noticed, Top Gun Maverick completely shut out, which was great news. I, I didn't think they'd do well, and they did not. I thought they might get for song, Lady Gaga, but thankfully, not too, not too, from the uh, South Indian film Triple R does indeed come through victorious. Any other thoughts you found from speeches, the vibe of the night, any ideas? It was weird on a Tuesday. I'm not going to lie. I don't I, I, go back to Sunday. So the award shows should be on Sunday. That, that's my thought. My favorite speech of the night, the great Eddie Murphy. He comes out, Cecil B. DeMille Award. Tracy Morgan presented, which I was like, that was perfect. Because in his speech, he was so funny. He said his three yeah. rules. No, before we get to that, he says, he goes, I was on SNL. You were on SNL. I was born in Brooklyn. You were born in Brooklyn. You went on to become one of the greatest movie stars of all time. 
I was also born in Brooklyn. <laughs> Great speech by Tracy Morgan as he introduces him. And then they had Jamie Lee Curtis there, who you have to forget. You know, what? Oh, of course, Trading Places. She was in Trading Places with him like 30 years ago. And she made an inside joke to me. And he's like, no, I know. Like He was like, do you remember that? He's like, yeah, I remember. You're making the bus. Yeah, I got it. Yeah. He goes up there. And then to your point, he's classy, gracious. I love the fact he's got 10 kids. Just a great guy. Like he just, he was an incredible comedic star, showed his dramatic chops in Dreamgirls. Like I love a good montage of a star. Like that's what the last movie stars is in so many ways. Ethan Hawke's paying homage to movie star. But like five minutes of Eddie Murphy great moments when you can see like how funny this guy was, 48 Hours, Beverly Hills Cop, Nutty Professor, and so on and so forth. It's awesome. And then as you mentioned, his great speech. Oh, I mean, at the end, he just brings it home with there's three ways to success in this business. And what was it? It's pay your taxes. <laughs> yeah. Mind your business and keep Will Smith's wife's name out your mother mouth. <laughs> I was dying. <coughs> and the director must have known. They went like extreme close up. And he's like, no, I'm going to I'm going to bring this sucker home right now. OK, like, oh, great. And good reaction from the crowd. Big laughs all around. Eddie Murphy. Love Eddie Murphy. I know there's been rumors. I think when he was on Seinfeld's show, comedians in cars getting coffees, and he might do stand-up again. I'm like, God, if, if Eddie Murphy did stand-up again, like, like raw and delirious are about as influential as it gets. Like a part of me says, hey, 30 years without doing it, like, I don't know if you want to do this again, but it, it would be a massive event. Like, I know it's Chappelle. Like, there's these elite guys that have these expectations, though. Yes. The expectation for Eddie Murphy would be so high that I sure. understand his hesitation. Like, yeah. if you just don't do it anymore, people only think of how great you were. Like, yeah. if you come back with one and it's just meh, like, then where are you? It's a good point. He probably shouldn't do it, but there's some rumors <laughs> he might do it again. Netflix will give him a I want to see it, though. I'm yeah. with you. I want to see it. I would love to see it. Uh, once again, big winners. Banshees of Inisher and wins three. Everything Everywhere All at Once wins two. The Fable Ones wins two as well. Uh, Searchlight Pictures gets three. A24 gets a couple. Abbott Elementary, three as far as TV shows are concerned, and White Lotus as well. And HBO and HBO Max picking up four. Netflix won once for film and twice for TV. That's your recap of the Golden Globes. When we come back, is Tom Hanks back? A new film called The Man Called Otto in theaters right now. All right, let's dive into a few movies. No old movie this week, but we've got three new movies to talk about, one of which is A Man Called Otto, and it's about the career of Hanks. Uh, the synopsis is this. Otto is a grump who's given up on life following the loss of his wife and wants to end it all. When a young family moves in nearby, he meets his match in quick-witted Mary soul, leading to a friendship that will turn his world around. Now, this is the kind of movie that you say, okay, uh, I've seen this before. It's called Scrooged, which is a movie I love. Of course, Bill Murray. And... Um, Characters like this, like these curmudgeons, Alan Arkin won an Academy Award, Little Miss Sunshine. You know, it's cut from that same cloth. And I think Hanks is actually cast perfectly for it. You know, Tom Hanks is known as America's nice guy. I watched him on Colbert the other night, and Colbert even made a joke about, you know, you have this reputation allegedly as a good guy. We know that's not true, but that's, that's the way you portray yourself as Mr. Tom Hanks. But a role like this is fun to see him do because when somebody is such a goody two-shoes, when somebody has such a strong reputation, it's nice to see them kind of dig into that acerbic side. And make no doubt, 
Tom Hanks has that in him. If you walk, go back and watch some of his early comedies, you know, he has that element of being a, a grating personality. You know, Punchline's a film I love, playing a stand-up comic, him and Sally Field. I know a lot of people have seen it, but I, I think that movie's got a great example of Tom Hanks having that edge to his comedy and that edge to his personality. It's not like he's, it's not like he's Tim Allen. He's not like, like some soft comedic presence. He could be a guy who gets angry, who gets aggravated. So I think it's excellent casting, and Rita Wilson, his wife, apparently was the one who told him, you got to make this movie. It's an adaptation of the Swedish film called A Man Called Uwe, with unbelievable title, which came out back in 2015. This time they're updating it for American audiences. And uh, by the way, it's based on the book by Frederick Bachman, also Swedish, of course, A Man Called Uwe. And Hans Holm also wrote the script. So this is the classic example, Swedish book, successful Swedish film. Let's make it into an American movie. I, I don't know if it's better than the Swedish film, which I never saw, but Again, a lot of this movie works because of the casting of Tom Hanks playing the curmudgeon. And especially early on, like one of the first scenes of the movie, he's upset because he's in a hardware store and he's buying some rope and he can't pay for five feet of rope. He can only pay for six because that's the way it's packaged. And that's part of the charm of the movie like because he's actually right. Like some of these people, when they get angry, you go, oh, he just gets angry for no reason. But the first few times you watch Otto get annoyed, you go, he is right. Like, like why, why do companies do it that way? Why can't you just pay for five feet of rope? Why is he paying for extra rope? Why is it that his phone bill is a certain way? Why can't his neighbor put the recycling in the proper way? It's screwing up the, the neighborhood. It's messing things up. Why is it so frustrating to him? This Mexican couple moving in cannot parallel park. They're going to screw up the sidewalk. So I'm like, I, I love the fact that he's a character who's a curmudgeon, but he's not just angry yelling at the world. He sees things and then gets aggravated. It's very much like Larry David. It's like Kirby enthusiasm, yeah, right? Curb. It's like, no, he's, he's pissed off, but he's pissed off for a good reason. <laughs> so, you know, you kind of understand where he's coming from. Now, I liked all the performances, particularly the real surprise here is, um, is the Mexican actress who's very good in the movie, the one who plays Marisol, who I'm not familiar with. Apparently, she's done a lot of work in Mexico. Um, but she's really good in the film. I'm going to find her name in a second here. But she kind of gives the movie some heart because she moves in and he gets really annoyed at her and her husband because he doesn't like the fact that they can't parallel park and he's like, I'm going to teach you to drive. That becomes his big quest. Now. He's like, I'm going to teach you to drive. It's an embarrassment. Anybody doesn't know how to drive in this day and age in this land. Um, and she kind of starts to see why, like, why is this guy such a grump? Like, what is it about him? You know, what is it that he got to this life? And that's where, unfortunately, the movie isn't as strong. And again, this goes back to something like with Scrooged. Like, Scrooged is never better in the first, like, 40 minutes, where Bill Murray's just being a jerk. That's where it's awesome. The last 20 moments where Bill Murray gets a heart, you're like, okay, now it's just over the top and overly sentimental. Mariana Trevino, by the way, is the yes, actress. I just found it. I was yeah. about to say. <laughs> Mother of two daughters expecting a third child. Best known for her roles in the TV series Club de Cuervos, The House of Flowers, 100 Dias para en Amorvis, and the film Overboard. She's very good in the movie and very charming and very likable. And someone like that, you'd say, okay, she can somehow cut through to Otto. And then what's the bigger issue is this. Why is he such a grump? Like, how did he become this way? And it's because of the loss of his wife. So ever since his wife passed away, which is a few months ago, he's just turned into an insufferable crank. And that's why he's buying the rope. He wants to kill himself. Now, I don't know about killing yourself comedy necessarily, but you get a few moments of montage where he's trying to kill himself and he's being interrupted by people. He just, he just can't die and go be with his wife in the hereafter because people keep bothering him. And so the movie starts to show flashbacks as to when he met his first wife. And this is where the film isn't as strong. It is curious casting, though. It's his son, not Colin Hanks, former guest of Cinephile, but Truman Hanks playing a young Otto Anderson. And again, I watched Hanks on Colbert the other day. His son, I believe, is a cameraman, maybe works as a cinematographer, and... Apparently, Mark Forster, the director, said, oh, my God, he just looks psycho. He's like, yeah, he's, like, well, he's not an actor. Like, he's, he's in the business, but he likes cameras, et cetera. He's not in this. He's, so he said, 
What do you think about casting him? And Tom's like, well, he definitely looks like me. And he goes, if he can learn his lines and, you know, be responsive, it's your call. You're the director. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not stumping for my kid here. But if you want to, because he said, the problem is whenever you watch this movie, the young guy never looks like the guy. Like, you can always tell that that's not him. Whereas this guy really does look like him. Yeah. But I'll be honest. Truman Hanks should stick to his career as a cameraman. I, ju- I just don't Poor. think acting is his forte. That's not his deal. And I, Poor I don't Chet think- Hanks. Chet Hanks just can't find it. Catch a break. Man. Chet Hanks. Chet Hanks would be better. Um, he had a small role, by the way, in News of the Rural, another Tom Hanks film. But I just found those sequences to be a little syrupy. Rachel Keller playing Sonia. That's his wife, who passed away prior to the start of A Man Called Otto. So it's like we get it. It's also a bit of a reach to say this guy was like this super nice, sweet guy who, by the way, met his future wife when he, she left her book on a subway and he ran after her and got on the same train. And all of a sudden now he's like the biggest jerk alive. Like it would make sense if he was like a bit of a dick, like he had a bit of an alienating side and it's become more pronounced over time. Right, you see that sometimes. You go, that guy always had a bit of a temper. But once he got to 60, 70, like, he's just got a horrible temper. Whereas this guy's apparently such a sweet, nurturing, lovely man. And then all of a sudden, once he became an auto, as a 60-year-old Tom Hanks, turns into just a complete jerk, just angry at life. So I found that to be a bit of a reach. So Are you getting are you getting off a train to get give someone a book? That's another good point. So you're ta- you see somebody go on a train, and she left her book. He's supposed to go in a different direction. So the question is, would you go in the wrong direction just to give someone back a book? I might like just while I'm sitting, be like, hey, hey, hello, hello. And then if she keeps going, that's that's about all the effort you're getting. Right you're right. You, you would at least call out to her. But to get yeah. up on the wrong train, you're, you're, you're causing yourself significant inconvenience. Yes. Here's your copy of Moby Dick. Like that's right. Not- that's not going to happen. For all you know, someone handed her that book and she didn't even want it. And she <laughs> left it there on purpose. Like, you don't even know. Right. Like In the movie, it seems like, oh, my God, you're so thoughtful and considerate. This book I love. I'm treasuring it. But it very easily could have been, oh, no, I, yeah. I didn't want that book anymore. I left it there on purpose. Have you ever pulled this move at a restaurant where you didn't love a meal, so you don't eat a lot of it? And then the waitress comes or waiter and it's like, oh, you didn't like it. It's like, no, I just got full. I'll take a box. And you don't want it. So you take a box, you put the food in the box and then you just leave. And then like once the bill's paid, you just squirm out of there and leave the the box of food on the table to avoid the awkward. I love how I love how elaborate this was. I thought it was just like, you say you're full and you're just like, whatever. Like, no, no, you get the box, you keep the box. No, I, I, will, I will always box it up. If I can't finish it, even if I didn't like it, but then I'll just give it to somebody. If I see a homeless, like, you ever get York, out of the restaurant? You'll give it to a homeless person. I mean, I'm not like anti that. I just like if I see a homeless person, maybe I'll give it to him. But I'm yeah. not like like I'll just throw. Have you ever thrown it in the garbage right no, outside no, no, the no. restaurant? I, if I don't like the food, I'm going to box it up no matter what. But somebody told me years ago, actually, somebody who was a waiter, she told me, listen, you've got to tell them. There's nothing worse than you eat the meal. It's bad. You don't say anything. They want to know. If you don't like it, you tell them. So I've now got to the point, my wife has a couple bites and she hates it. I'll go, hey, you know what? She's not into this. Can we get something else instead? And every single time, Cody, they'll go, no problem. What else would you like? Yeah. Because I, they I've know worked otherwise you're going to go, it's a bad meal. I'm I, never coming I've back worked, again. I've worked in a restaurant and I genuinely hate those people. Ugh. No, I'm just I mean, kidding. I'm, not, I'm just kidding. I'm not saying it happens often, but I'm just saying, especially if you take a risk, if you go, hey, especially if you trust the waiter. Well, my wife you're not like, finagling. Like some people will eat like half the meal say they don't like it, they don't want anything else, and they want it off their bill. No, like, no, no. you know what I mean? Like, you're just like genuinely, like you still want to pay for whatever she ends yes, up eating. 100%. I'm yeah, like, I'll pay for so. both, Just to be, but she's not going to eat that. So we'll box it up, or we'll give it to a homeless guy, or we'll take, give it to the kids. But they like, don't charge you for something. both, though. They'll be no, like, they no. They we'll never do. Yeah, like, Here's the one yeah. meal. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah. That, that's that's generally the play. I'm, not, anyway. I'm never going to just leave food there, but I want to leave as a satisfied customer. And I would think if I was a restaurateur, I want satisfied customers. If you don't like yeah. your food, you have to tell me. I don't, I don't want this word getting around. The food was bad. But, you coward. 
Regardless, um, you turn the book, do what you got to do. <laughs> the movie's predictable. You know where it's going. But because of the performances, particularly Hanks and The Neighbor, I, I actually enjoyed the movie. I'm giving it two and a half Maple Leafs while still having reservations about it. Back Doesn't to sound original... like he's back, though. Doesn't sound like he's back. No, I was going to say, back to your original question. Is he back like Tom Hanks, like Captain Phillips, like big, like Castaway? I'm like, no, he's not back like that. He's coming off playing Elvis's manager, the Colonel, which was just... I mean, his, the movie's awesome. His performance is dreadful. And Geppetto. And Geppetto, awful. So <laughs> he's good in this. I mean, it's Tom Hanks. He's a good actor. No question about it. And the, the scenes where he's recalling his wife and that tenderness, you can tell he's tapping into what a great actor he is. And I like the casting. But the, the actual material itself, which I believe in one of the reviews you picked out for me, I think is completely accurate. And that's really what it comes down to. David Jenkins of Little White Lies. The material is massively beneath its star. <laughs> and you can blame his wife. Rita Wilson's the one. She was like, no, you've got to do this movie. I'm like, really? Like, it's actually kind of, he should have told her, it's beneath me. Like, I'm capable yeah. of better. But he took her advice. Wendy Eyed of Observer, all but the most dogged of skeptics will be charmed by the message of the redemptive power of small acts of kindness and plastic containers full of tamales. A couple more here for you, and then we'll get out of the way. Bardo, false chronicle of a handful of truths. What a movie this was. From Alejandro Gonzalez Inaritu, who won... I believe three, I know he's won five Oscars. I, I think he won, he's definitely won for directing for The Revenant and for Birdman. I think he won for producing Birdman as well. And he won for the screenplay of The Revenant as well. I, I think it's four or five Oscars he has. Either way, this guy's about as celebrated an auteur as you'll get. So he makes this film and it's been criticized by some, it's been praised by others. Here's the story. An acclaimed journalist turned documentarian goes on an oneric introspective journey to reconcile with the past, the present and his Mexican identity. And it's a bizarre movie. In many ways, the highest compliment I can play in Aritu is that the movie, at its best, at its apex, is Fellini-esque. You know, Fellini's Eight and a Half is one of the greatest films of all time, the landmark 1963 Italian film. That movie famously started out with Marcello Mastrioni stuck in his car. He's suffocating, can't breathe, and the next shot you see him floating out of his car and floating away. This film, Bardo, which is currently available on Netflix, I believe it came out late December on Netflix, early on you see a character flying, you're seeing his shadow. I'm like, oh wow, pretty cool, homage to Fellini. And this movie in many ways is Fellini-esque in that it really is an introspective portrait of the human being. Now, this kind of movie, you're either going to go with it or not. If you like it, as I did, I found it to be visually appealing. I thought it was challenging, which I don't necessarily mind a movie. Two and a half hour movie is going to challenge me. It was innovative. And at the same time, it had some really good moments of humor. And I thought it was generally very introspective. But at the same time, a film like this can be criticized with good reason for being self-absorbed, egotistical, solipsistic. Like this, is, this is something that can be argued as this. Inarritu has won a bunch of Oscars. Netflix gives him a bag of money. He goes, I want to make a movie back in my original language. I'm going to go back to making a Spanish film dealing with my Mexican identity. The character you can tell is basically him. The main character, Silvero, is this documentarian. So you're basically... Making a movie about yourself. Now, Spielberg was not criticized for this. The Fablemans is just received Best Picture Drama. So no one's calling Steven Spielberg self-absorbed for making a film about his life. So I don't know why Inaritu is being criticized by the same critics for being so self-absorbed about making a movie ostensibly about a character like him. A director who is very talented, but has an emptiness without him, and faces a lot of criticism from his Mexican fan base saying he's a sellout. Well, the funniest moments of the movie, it's like his party they're having, and he meets a bunch of his old Mexican friends, and the one goes up to him and says to him, you got a little bit of shit on your nose there from, from kissing all that gringo ass. And they all start laughing. And, and you can tell, like, that probably has happened in Inarito's life or something to that extent. Like, he's, he's 
from his homeland. He's had a huge successful career in America, but I'm sure if his friends are like, hey, bro, you're still one of us. You're not, you're not one of them. Don't forget, you're not Steven Spielberg. I don't care the fact you won Best Director of Oscars. You're still one of us. You'll never be one of them. You're not going to be accepted that way. And I thought those issues of identity were particularly interesting. Just cleaning up, he's won four Oscars. He won Best Director for The Revenant. He won Best Director for Birdman, Best Picture for Birdman, yeah, and Best Original Screenplay for Birdman. Oh, okay. So four Oscars overall. It's amazing. So there's one sequence that's just bizarre. Like the, his wife is having a kid, and then the kid comes out, and then the, the doctor's like, what? He goes, oh, the kid wants to go back in. He thinks that the world's a shithole and doesn't want to go in. So they like, <laughs> he goes, just, just put him back. And then later on, they have this lovemaking sequence. He starts to go down on her, and they have a close-up. The head just comes out. And it's like, oh. And he's like, and, and, and he looks up at his wife. He's like, he's back. He's like, what? He's like, he's kind of, just, just shove him back in. It's okay. What? Just shove him back in. I'm like, oh. Jesus. Like, like, what a disturbing scene. Like, just, he's like, no, he doesn't, he doesn't want to live in this world. Get rid of him. Like, just, just push him back in. I'm like, oh. Was not thinking that scene was going to take that kind of oh. But uh, there's definitely some moments like that. And there's other, some strange stuff too. I don't, I don't want to give it away completely, but I like the film. For what it's worth, I'm giving it three Maple Leafs. Bardo, False Chronicle of a Handful of Truths. Peter Rayner of Film Week. This film despite all the phantasmagorical stream of consciousness aspects to it. I thought it had real emotional weight in places. Amazing word by Peter. Robert Levin of Newsday. This is a tough sit. Albeit one with a lot of beautiful imagery. It is two and a half hours. It's on Netflix. Dimitri Samarov of Chicago Reader. As long as you don't think too long about some of the implications of what flashes past your eyeballs, this is a film to be dazzled by and lost in. I kind of agree. I kind of disagree. I, I was dazzled by the imagery, but I did think about it. I, I did think about the meaning of it, what he's trying to say. You know, movies like this where you're trying to challenge the consciousness, it's not going to work for everybody. I thought it was more successful than not. We'll see if it actually gets nominated for an Oscar for Best International Feature Film. One more for you, and this one should get nominated for Best International Feature Film. It's called Decision to Leave. I had it as my number six best picture of the year. The synopsis is this. A detective investigating a man's death in the mountains meets the dead man's mysterious wife in the course of his dogged sleuthing. It comes from an internationally acclaimed auteur, Park Chan-wook, who, of course, made Old Boy and The Handmaiden. He's the director and the co-writer of this one. I was thinking about it more because I, I viewed it last week in the podcast. But this story, Cody, if I said to you, it's about a detective falling in love with a woman who may have killed her husband, it could be basic instinct. Like that, that story has been done so many times in a bunch of like run-of-the-mill erotic thrillers of the 90s. You know, on, on its surface, you'd think, I don't really know what's, what's unique about this. But again, it goes back to the axiom that so many movies, when it comes to actual plots, all the stories have been told. It's just the way you tell them is what makes them so unique. And in the hands of a director like Park Chan-wook, that is what matters. He's, he's clearly a master of the medium. And I, I saw one review that said it's one of the sexiest movies of the year. I'm like, yeah, it's a, it's a romantic thriller, and he's so seductive in the way he uses his camera work. Um, he's so self-assured in the style of the filmmaking. You know, when you're watching a movie, you can tell you're in the hands of a master who knows what direction he's going in, whether it's the plot, whether it's this guy falling in love with this woman, whether I'm having reservations about this woman, the murders piling up, another suspicious murder, his relationship with his wife, using the setting as a as a part of the storytelling, an homage to Hitchcock's Vertigo, working that in. Uh, ultimately, it's a kind of film that I, you watch it once and you go, I can't wait to watch it again. Ultimately, I found it to be seductive and in many ways mesmerizing. It's why I'm giving it for me beliefs, and the critics agree. Rave reviews all over the place. Danny Lee from Financial Times, at once needlepoint precise and as woozy as 3 a.m. Nick DeSumlian of Empire Magazine, a spry police procedural fused with an achingly intense romance. Decision to leave keeps you off-kilter throughout in the best possible way. 
make a decision to see it. Decision to leave my number six film of 2022. I'm giving it four beliefs. Go check it out. A 40-minute edition of Cinephile. Thanks, as always, to all of you for checking out the podcast. Next week, four foreign films, all right? Plus, perhaps a little cameo from Ragstein. Two weeks from now, Oscar nominations. I'll also recap next week the Critics' Choice Awards, so look forward to that. Lots of great stuff here coming up in Cinephile. And please do indeed go to Apple Podcasts where you can subscribe, rate, and review. I haven't seen many reviews lately. If I do, kind of taking shots at me and Cody. So go ahead. If you like the podcast, give us some love on Apple Podcasts. Support us. Reward us and I'll see you at the movies. By the way, as we close, good, good luck to my buddy Cody. He's, he's knocking off a few bucket list items here. The Dolphins are not going to win without Tua Tunga Vailoa, but I liked your thought process as I listened to you on the show. Hey, never traveled for a Dolphins playoff game before, going with buddies. You might, might, might paint yourselves shirtless. Like It's going to be awesome. Never been in a cold atmosphere before for a football game. So, you know, and uh, DeMar Hamlin is doing well, and yes. uh, like there's rumors that he might end up like at the game for an emotional boost so that'll be cool to be there for it at the very least i agree thank god he's okay dude it's not gonna happen but if they shock the world it'll be one of the great wins in miami dolphins history and you can say you were there right josh allen suffers a broken tibia somehow the dolphins run the football hey man division rivals hey we know the bills this is not like you know like we played them close a couple times this year like i'm not saying it's gonna happen i'm not making any wild predictions but we got a chance Enjoy Buffalo. Let's go fish. We'll see you next time here on Cinephile. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.